Hello, and welcome to Covert Castaway. I'm Holly. Je suis Stéphane. Join us as we share what we learn and how we're making the transition to liveaboard cruising. Today we are talking about electronics and navigation systems and communications and everything to do with electronic systems. So um, this is an interesting process because we had a chance to sit down with Poshan, which is the mm, installer, I guess, and... And they're definitely like I think the number one company to install all electronics on boats. They they were they have an office in our shell, so we um, they installed the electronics on a previous boat, right. and they have also an office nearby. And and the person that we are working with, um, so they're right. definitely like the bigger guy. So the when we were dealing with this before on our first boat, we were going through our dealer. We didn't yeah. have any conversations with push on directly until they kind of came on the boat and started doing things. So yeah, that exactly. was after the fact. So, um, this has been an interesting and different process because we've been able to ask all kinds of questions and get a better understanding of like what the potential, um, strategy is. Mm-hmm. The system we had on our old boat was a Garmin system. And I think we had you know, we could make the choice between Garmin and and others. Some people went with Raymarine. Raymarine. So I think you. you I think B and G was on the list too. I do think it was, was an option. It? Yeah, because mm. we had a number of conversations at whatever boat show it was, and um, we settled on Garmin originally. That was the standard. Yeah, default. It was kind of whatever. So on the Ultramare, it seems most people kind of go to B&G, and that's certainly what Pochon here is, you know, mostly focused on. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about B&G. Yeah, I mean, B&G is, is basically, I mean, it's, it's um, uh, under a bigger group called Navico. And so they have three major brands, and probably most people have heard about them. For fishing, it's Lawrence. For anything related to motor powerboats, it's Simrad. And then uh, for sailing, that's PNG. So it's very, it's basically special. So it's one big company, you know, but they do they do all kinds of stuff. Yeah. 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 So you, and and same thing. We could choose um, NKE. Uh, we could choose Raymarine, whatever. Pochon will do that. But in this case, from our experience, so we have attended uh, two training sessions during a Tremier week, one called uh, uh, Electronics Offer. So we were able to see everything that BNG offers. And also we attended uh, Electronics Configuration. So where you go on a boat and um, see how it's set up under the cover. On top of that, we've done quite a few weekends of like Utremer Academy, the sailing yeah, days. So we've everything. been able to also sail on boats. So mm-hmm. so I think we are... And we know. had a boat with some similar systems. So, you know, we 
know enough to mm-hmm. know kind of what questions to ask yeah. uh, when we're going through this the second time. Yeah. So it's been really good. Yeah. So that that's kind of where we, uh, all this has been really helpful to lead to um, having meetings with Pochon and being able to have these conversations and back and forth mm-hmm. and, and what's what requirements we have and, and what fits uh, our needs. So mm-hmm. the first major uh question that you have to kind of uh, you're faced with <laughs> a little bit like this it reminds me the sale plan you know <gasps> do you go with like uh, solent and code zero yeah and then it's a stay like, sale you know? like everything's a snowball so you have to make that first decision <laughs> and um, what's the first big decision so they have two two lines uh under bng one is the triton line and the other one is the uh, h5000 triton and h5000 yeah. yeah. And so that's, so that's, so that's the path. That's the first thing you have to decide. Yeah. And, and basically they might have some level of compatibility between the two of them, but it's not recommended. And, um, so better to stick with like, right. You go with one system or the other. Right. Um, and so when we entered in the conversations, I was kind of like, yeah, Triton's good enough. Like what's, what's the difference? And then you were like, no, no. Well, H5000, so we had to have this arm wrestle. So let's describe that. Yeah, yeah. So, and and we're not going to go into all the details, but basically at a high level for people who are, familiar, who are looking at Utremer or to just give you an idea of like one criteria and what to choose. So uh, for Utremer 45, which are 48-foot boats, uh, it seems like the standard is more Triton, like more owners or buying this. For the Outremer 55, I'm going to assume it's the same for the 5X, people are going more with the H5000. So, Is that because they're spending more money or yeah, just maybe, because, yeah, more money. <laughs> like what, what's and the you purpose? Want the bells and whistles. What's the point though? Uh, no, you, I mean, the 45 is, is plenty fast, but you're going to go with uh, bigger boats, higher speeds, and one of the, under each of those lines, the, the autopilot is mm-hmm. one key element. So the mm-hmm. brain, you have like a little computer basically. And, and like half the response time, you know, mm-hmm. for, to, to, to change directions and the parameters and all the configurations. So the, they're both great autopilots, but if you want to look more for, you know, some um, a system that's going to be able to, to, you're going to be able to tweak it over time to configure and to um, yeah, to be more adapted to, you know, higher speeds. And then, then probably you're going to lean. Because uh, it's more responsive. So, yeah. so that was the number one deciding factor was really the autopilot um, features in the H5000 versus the Triton. Yeah, that's kind mm-hmm. of like the, the what helps with the decision. making the decision. Mm-hmm. So in our case, um, also... It, I would say it's linked to the selling plan. Um, we are definitely going to go more with like selling angles downwind. So with asymmetrical spinnakers. So that means when you're crossing oceans, um, you're going to be surfing down the waves at an angle. So the autopilot is going to have to, to steer down those waves. So at this point, like you need more of an H5000 uh, to be able to get the autopilot to kind of... Because it's properly. more responsive down, going yeah. down and in the trough. And then you have more options, right. more parameters. If you're going with kind of a more, 
I don't know. I mean, I would say cruising, like coastal cruising. And no, not coastal cruising, but like you, you want like more crossing ocean. You want just a symmetrical spinnaker, and you're like, hey, chill. The yeah. the automer is plenty fast already, sailing with the waves. Then you know the autopilot is doesn't need to be as responsive. You're kind of you know sailing mm-hmm. with the waves. So it's just. I think it just comes down to your personal preference around precision. I mean, that's that's kind of it, right? Yeah. I mean, in this case, we're making a decision about a certain sail plan, in, so that's going to dictate mm-hmm. how the boat sails over waves. And that kind of also, it's another argument for us to go in that direction. Um, another argument is the, you know, if you're going to, to kind of, um, uh, how can I say, you're going to be able to, to learn about your boat as you're sailing more and more miles. And you can start with an autopilot like the H5000 that will do a great job, but maybe over time you're looking for little tweaks here and there. Mm-hmm. And so that's something like, a, I guess it's a system that, that can evolve with you mm-hmm. as you gain experience. So it depends on how much you like to tinker. A little bit. And you like to tinker. A little bit. so it definitely sounds interesting to me that you know it may may be a little too much at the beginning but Mm -hmm. you know to learn or like during the passage you know maybe you go and say oh if i change this how does it behave and and you know once you've done one or two ocean crossings you you've kind of like have a fine tuning Mm -hmm. and and then you're happy about your boat so yeah there's a little bit of like a personal traits and preference and Mm -hmm. personal preferences Mm -hmm. uh the other thing is they offer three software levels um there is the hydra hercules and performance uh this is the navigation software you mean it's it's uh not navigation software that's that's like separate but um uh, for all the instruments and how they talk to each other and connect and everything so the performance, like if you go into more of a racing, then you you'll need this type of software. But the the point. I'm so it's like here, a, it's it's like the the uh, the iOS. If if you're it's going like to that. add certain sensors, like if you were in a monohull and you have a 3D motion sensor, then you'll need the additional like an upgraded software. And then if you go, I guess, into more of like a racing and stuff, I mean. Um, so depending on the on the on some of the sensors you want. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the software is upgradable, mm-hmm. and so you don't have to change. You just add sensors, upgrade your software for that. But mm-hmm. uh, the Hydra uh, software looks, with all the sensors, it solves pretty much like 90-plus mm-hmm. percent of the problem. It will be some for some very, very specific boats, I think, where this will be needed. So I think with, um, it's just an, just... You can upgrade the software as you evolve with some with some other sensors, but in our case, we think like uh, a high drive will cover all the bases. Okay. And of course, the cost. Mm-hmm. Cost is always an issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and always a That's criteria. So balance as you want as much precision as possible and ability to upgrade. You know, as new changes come out. Um, but then, you know, everything's always, something's always cost prohibitive. So you have to just kind of figure out what your budget is and what you, the parameters you want to stay within. Yeah. So in this case, uh, just to give a ballpark figure, it's, it's about a 20% price difference. Which one? The H5000? Yeah. It's an additional, um, 20% price Mm -hmm. difference. So, um, 
of course, I mean, 20% is, is not 2x or 3x, so mm-hmm. it's good. <laughs> um, 20% here, here, and here adds up to mm-hmm. a lot, of, uh, a lot mm-hmm. of money. In this case, you could argue that um, the autopilot falls in the category of an ad- having an additional crew member that is going to be basically on board and working 99 plus percent of the yeah. time while you're underway. So if you haven't listened to all of our podcasts, um, we, <laughs> we have this category called safety, which is if, if it creates more safety, it gets budget priority. So somehow... Things end up, it's, a lot of things end up in the safety category. <laughs> it's a huge bucket that gets bigger and bigger. And then we have to pair it back. Yeah. So so, so that's anyway. that's kind of also, um, all, right. all these criteria are leaning us towards right. the H5000. So, so once we settle on H5000, which system it is, um, let's talk about what, what's included in that core system. Yeah. And just I'll make a side note, like we're not planning to get the rotating mast, but if you are planning to get the rotating mast, then your you, decision is made. You have to get the... H5000. H5000, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. So. So what's next? The- so the navigation requirements. So it's basically like you have many, many um, systems, many, many in- uh, instruments. Like you can install them anywhere, everywhere. So, Repeaters and yeah. other So things. we have to decide what do we want and where on the boat. Mm-hmm. So the nav station, um, which is um, quite different from... Our previous nav station. Our, our previous nav station was there at forty-five degree angle to where we're going. It was sitting on the couch. It, it was, it was there as a nav station down below in the in the salon. In the salon, but um, it's it wasn't it, fully functioning. No, yeah. So in this case, on the Utremer boats, uh, this is basically your primary um, uh, place where you're going to be on watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Well, obviously, you're outside the boat. Like, you know, anybody who's seen pictures of all the Tremere's, like, it's an active helm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but the point is the the sailing philosophy is at night and underway, you know, you're doing most of your planning and, and um, strategy at the nav and table monitoring. and monitoring and that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a really fully functional mm-hmm. uh, nav station, very comfortable, like, big. And great visibility mm-hmm. facing forward. So, so that's something to to keep in mind when you're thinking of how you're going to equip your, your mm-hmm. nav station. Um, so, one important decision that we have to make trade offs is we we're kind of looking at it two ways. You know, while you're underway, it needs to be a fully functional nav station because you're going to spend a lot of time there. But while you're not underway, it's also a very nice desk that you can use with a big monitor and um, you can do computer work, you can do weather monitoring, you can do route planning. You can watch videos and Netflix, (laughs) potentially. So so that's kind of like the way we're looking at it. It's like while you're navigating, it needs to do... To mm-hmm. work, but if you can also um, uh, use it uh, as a proper desk mm-hmm. with a big monitor, that's really really nice. The problem is there's a space issue here. <laughs> well, there's a space issue and functionality, right? So the yeah. other arm wrestle thing we got into was like, are you doing kind of a big monitor that acts sort of like a repeater? 
Um, and also acts like a TV and, you know, a, 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 like a workstation kind of. Um, or do you put in a second uh, system so you have one at the pod at the helm and then you have one below, so then you have redundancy. And it's pretty straightforward. You can kind of like, everything's touch screen. That's, that's kind of like what we had on our other boat, which I was attached to because I'm familiar with it, right? Versus the monitor when now you're kind of using it like a computer screen. It's point and click and yeah. that kind of thing. So that's kind of option one. And you basically, you have a child plotter uh, in a pod. If people are familiar with Ultramare, it's kind of this rotating uh, box. Mm-hmm. So you can view it in different, um, use, view, it in, view it and use it in different angles. So you could say, okay, I'm adding a second chart plotter at the nav table. Mm-hmm. What it does is it offers redundancy. If your chart plotter outside fails, then you have another fully functional chart plotter. Mm-hmm. So that's the positive. Well, that's the safety logic, but in reality and practical terms, they don't fail very often. I mean, it of seems... course, they. it's not that they never fail, but you know, it's very small percentage of time based on kind of the questions we asked. Yes. It seems like if there are issues, they're going to be spotted mm-hmm. in the first few weeks. Mm-hmm. After that, they tend to be pretty reliable. Mm-hmm. So that's Plus something. we have other methods for a back, for a backup system. Yeah, then then you could use like, you know, iPads today have integrated GPS, you download some maps like a Navionix that mm-hmm. we had and, you know, we so, had that too, yeah. So you will have navigation instrumentation. The question is about the radar. Mm-hmm. But let's not go into too, too deep in the details, but that's option 1. So redundancy is good. The drawback is those chart plotters are, you know, not cheap. Right. And and then in this case, I mean, if you're going to install one in the nav station, you want you don't want like a tiny little nine inch. You, twelve you inch. You want at or, least twelve, or yeah. why not sixteen? You know, mm-hmm. to be like comfortable mm-hmm. viewing maybe two screens side by side and stuff like this. But if you do this, then your monitor space shrinks, and then it kind of like. You mean go- to have a second chart plotter plus a monitor? Plus a monitor right. on that table. So then it's like, well, no point, like, because it's going to be the size of a laptop monitor. So uh, that will, that configuration, that option one, was basically be if you add a second chart plotter to the nav station, then your computer for uh, route planning, whatever, weather monitoring stuff becomes a laptop. Mm-hmm. It's okay. We work on laptops all the time, but mm-hmm. having a big screen is nice. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the plus and minus of that first option. The second option is like you say, no, no, no. Like ha- let's have a big monitor. It's going to that be- is also a chart plotter. So yeah. So there, there is the there was there's some issues now, but there was the option to add um, an HDMI connection from your chart plotter, your pod. In, in outside to a monitor. And so now... Inside the nav station. Yeah. So now you're using that monitor as a repeater and you have a little remote control on the side so you can still control everything on your chat plotter. The problem is it seems that... Because of supply chain issues. Supply they, chain, yeah. this and that, maybe decision from BNG, that HDMI connection is not available or at least doesn't exist sizes yeah Yeah. so that's something we're trying to further investigate but that's one of the uh, 
want something new. So then we're looking at it as like, oh, okay, option two, could we have the large monitor for office work? And could we have an iPad that talks to the NMEA network through Wi-Fi? And then we will basically be able to have a repeater. And even if the uh, chat plotter outside were to fail, then this will work. Mm -hmm. The one thing that we need to resolve is how can we view the radar information? Mm -hmm. Because that's not integrated into a monitor, repeater. Yeah, the data coming from the NMEA network is all basically data. But the radar information comes from a different network, the Ethernet network. So this is something we need to figure out. But could you basically, if you have a computer there, could you connect this Ethernet network to your computer? Okay, we're super geeking out right now. So so we're going to to skip. But that's kind of like one, that would be a workable solution. Mm -hmm. If, if only if we can have the radar information. Mm -hmm. Um, so then you will have the iPad when you navigate. You could put it on the side on, on a rotating arm, like uh, on the side of the nav station. But the rest of the time, uh, you will have uh, your computer or your monitor and or you have a computer connected to, uh, to additional information. And that's kind of another chart plotter. So that would be that option, too. But the third option is third the option, option I like. The sexy option. Is- Yeah, (laughs) trying to figure out how to put it in the safety category, is the, it's called the Zeus Glass Helm. Um, It it even has a good name. It's like better than, oh, uh, monitor, repeater, computer, laptop version, which was the second option. So this Zeus Glass Helm is really cool. It's um, a large screen. They have 19-inch, 24-inch, and I think a smaller one. 16, yeah. Um, it has HDMI outputs, so we can also... There's a, you know there's other ways we can, we can use those outputs in, inside as well. Um, and it's a large touchscreen. It's, it's like a ses- second system. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it's really... It's basically a monitor... It's like a massive monitor with drag and drop capabilities of like monitoring everything on your boat, basically. That's in the well. It's it's a monitor that acts also as a chart plotter, but the chart plotter is like the brain, the computer piece is separate, is in the box. So that box is connected to this glass monitor that's touchscreen, and you can also connect your computer to it. So, right. So, so it's you get the fully integrated. It's like the best of both worlds, and of course, it's more expensive. So, a lot more expensive. So that's those are the <laughs> options we're considering and the reasons why we're considering them, right? You know, and again, champagne problems, like we would be perfectly fine having uh, a repeater at the nav station. We can use the pod at the helm or, or flip it around, vice versa. Um, we're just trying to kind of think it all through, pros and cons, and understand what's going to work best for us. I think mm-hmm. the thing, the problem is we sort of fell in love with the... Um, Cat grade circle. Um, they have this huge monitor at their nav station, and they're able to sort of see that from anywhere they're standing on the boat and monitor things. Um, so we're trying to like assess on this new boat, like how we would use the nav station, um, and even you know it's interesting because on the production boat on the the new version of the Sona, I forget what they call it, Tana. the Tana. 
um, they've actually eliminated the nav station altogether, which um, is, I guess, one well, way to go, just not have one. But like for us, I think we it's important for us to have one hmm. uh, for how we want to sail. So yeah, just it, it's kind of a main area where you do a lot of your planning and there's sort of the planning use case and the strategy and like figuring out your routes and figuring out the weather and you kind of spend time doing that. And then there's the practical use where you're at the helm, you're getting ready to go into a marina and you want to kind of see depth and you want to kind of, you know, point and click and touch kind of basically where you're going. Um, so it's got a lot of different ways of, of kind of thinking about how you're going to use the nav station altogether. And the helm. Mm. Okay, so from there, like, what were the other topics of discussion? Like, yeah, the VHF. Yeah, VHF. Um, yeah. So it's interesting because uh, VHF is evolving, and uh, so there is a regular BNG VHF, uh, which seems to s- we had one pet peeve with ours. Pet is, peeve. Pet peeve. How do you? Oh, say? I thought you were saying that was the name of it. Pet peeve. No, no, no. <laughs> which was the? the yeah, like it. It would like ring and we're like, why is it ringing? Because the screen's so tiny. It's literally like the, half the size of a regular post-it note. And you can never... And the quality is not so great. No. So you're trying to it's read It's like, what is the saying? Plus we're both half blind. Like we can't read no, anything without our glasses. No, it's, it's not. It's The screen is like terrible. So, so tiny. So the BNG VHF is like... Straight up. One, like, like old school. Like yeah. you push a button, you speak into it, and that's it. Well, and then it has like a big clear screen. Mm-hmm. So, so it's like that solved that problem. The rest, we're looking at it. Okay, VHF is a VHF. It just has to work. Mm-hmm. But, but they're coming up with some new sexy smartphone type It is really VHF. cool. It looks really cool. It's called Cortex or something. Vesper and, Cortex. Yeah. If you want to check it out. If you want to check it out. We saw it up close um, at the boat show when we were there earlier just a couple months ago and, um, the multi-hull show and it was really cool and it had a lot of cool features. Certainly if money were no object and you wanted to like play with something cool, I just couldn't figure out like how we would practically use it. No, I mean, what it does, one major benefit of it besides looking super sexy, (laughs) (laughs) because it looks like a smartphone. Yeah. And so, uh, what it does is it, it, obviously it works as a VHF. But it also has its own independent AIS. So if you had a problem, it's, it's basically you're, you're, prov- you're having another redundant mm-hmm. system on the boat, which is always good, but where do you stop? Yeah. So if you had a problem with your regular AIS, it has its own, and so you could monitor that on the screen. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you have a 100-foot boat and you're walking around with it, you know, that's one thing, I guess. But yeah, because you have like a handheld device. Yeah. And anyway. So we're not... Not for us, but we're kind of just getting back to basics. And um, yeah, so we're just going to go with the core VHF. Yeah. And then you need the autopilot controller. And so, of course, you have The one. wireless. Is that what you mean? No. Oh, okay. The button. Yeah, the button. Um, so you need one, uh, obviously, at the helm. Mm-hmm. You, we feel we need one at the at the nav station as well, so you can do mm-hmm. like plus one, minus one, or plus ten to avoid something like you know like fishing mm-hmm. stuff. Um, and then we'll need one also uh, basically on the other side on the other side because when you take over you know the uh, the helm uh, because you want to do a little bit of sailing yourself, then you know you can mm-hmm. go on standby, put it back, and you know so. That's definitely something where um, we need this autopilot controller. So we need three. 
when it's three, yeah. Plus the wireless, you're thinking. Plus the remote. Mm-hmm. So you put it around your neck and you go forward and you, mm-hmm. know, you can, uh, or, you know, so that that's really, uh, so that's kind of what we, uh, we're looking at. Then you have all the sensors and antennas. So, of course, you have a wind sensor. Of course, you have the VHF antenna, GPS antenna, um, depth, speed, temperature, transducer. So, again, you have new technology. Um, So, there is the old wheel system. So, of course, you have to keep it clean. Otherwise, the wheel doesn't spin. Um, But they have, like, new technology, like the ultrasonic um, transducer. So the nice thing is flush with the bottom of the boat. Yeah. You don't have like you. I mean, you'll probably have to clean it too if there is growth on it. It's not going to. Uh, yeah, that would happen with our other boat. But it's easier. Like if you're going to be lifted out of the water for us for a previous boat. Well, like here, if you have a wheel, you need to make sure that you remove it so the straps don't mm-hmm. break it to damage it. If you had a flush one, then you know you just remove it to clean it mm-hmm. and put it back. So the problem that we've heard from Pochon is that it creates some interferences. Um, so electromagnetic fields can interfere. Fish. With, hmm? He said fish can interfere with it. No, no, yeah. with our electronics on board. And so, so suddenly going back just to the mechanical wheel is kind of a safe way to go. Um, definitely kind of want to learn a little bit more about this, but that's kind of how we're leaning right now. There is also a forward scan sensor. So if you come into an anchorage or... A shallow area. Yeah, it's kind of more for fishing people, I think. it's not Yeah. Um, it definitely sounds good. Like, you know, you could see a little bit forward if you, of course, you have to go slow. But we realize now it's it's something sticking out at the bottom of the boat. So it's like, hmm, very prone to, if yeah. you hit something, it's going to go. And the last thing we need is more things sticking out at the bottom. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so there's that. Um, at the helm station, we'll have the pod. We'll have the autopilot controllers we talked about. Um, then we need to decide on each side of the boat uh, what additional repeaters we want. So we'll probably have a graphic display, kind of a smaller um, version of the chart plotter. Well, no, it's not chart plotter, but uh, a graphic display with just a... a well, you select wing. whatever through the menu. You yeah. select what you want to look at. Yeah. And... Um, and then you have other navigation options. So that would be uh, BNG offers an atmospheric pressure sensor. Uh, so that's one option. Uh, it's all integrated with your BNG system. Some people go with a separate uh, electronic device that is um, kind of totally independent. And you can set some alarms about plus or minus, you know, if the temperature pressure drops by X, you know, ring and stuff like this. So... The idea is to keep it integrated with BNG, but we want to make sure there is some kind of an alarm, you know, notification uh, based on some settings. So we need to f- figure this out. Then there is the engine data. So I think kind of like this idea because then you can get on your screen the engine temperature, the RPM, the voltage for the alternator, your hour, engine hours, the charge for your engine battery. And looking also as well to have uh, an exhaust gas um, temperature sensor. So in case the water intake around the cell drive were obstructed, then right away you will detect this as opposed to wait to get your 
temperature sensor from the engine to say your engine is heating up, which will happen. And then now you have a could turn off your engine right away. So we're looking at this, at this as well, but we like the idea of having the engine data on the, on the network. The, there's another option for Wi-Fi USB um, uh, to the NMEA network. So it's called a miniplex multiplexer. Um, so what it will do is all that data that is available on the NMEA network will basically be like GPS position, the wind, depth, speed, AIS, anything like this will then be available on the computer, for example, if you plug a USB connection or through a Wi-Fi. So you could have your smartphone, your tablet, you go down below, for example, while the other person is on watch, then you have a good um, uh, kind of um, view of what's going on. We had the issue, it was possible on a previous system because the chat plotters have Wi-Fi, but what we realized is that as soon as you move away from the chat plotter, the, the yeah, it wasn't really coverage. stable. You know, like yeah. I would I would put it on my phone, and then I would kind of be able to see, and then it it just it wasn't consistent in being able to show information. So we like the idea of having mm-hmm. kind of a central Wi-Fi USB kind of connection to the NME network, and it seems to be uh, working well. Mm-hmm. So so definitely we'll we'll go with that. So then we go into the communication requirements. So this is a big topic, um, communication and, and Wi-Fi and, and Starlink. I mean, our first question was, okay, when are you guys going to have Starlink? And we follow, you know, a couple groups that are doing Starlink on boats. And, you know, it's just fundamentally, it's just not there yet. And um, there's some other issues, you know, like 3G, 4G, 5G, depending on where you're going to visit. And, um, you know, what we used on our passport, you know, we would get SIM cards from, from the various countries, we'd throw it in the pep wave and it would take a frustratingly long time to get it to work, which is just how it is on the Well, boat. it was just every time you have a you have to, like, SIM card from a new country yeah. and you have to go into the configuration. And It's not like your cell phone where you just like, yeah, oh, you the cross the border restart. and it's like, welcome. No, yeah. it's not like that. So there was a little bit of work uh, involved to make sure it's configured properly. But once you we were configured, you have this antenna on the top of the mast and you had your really, really nice coverage. I mean, you've done like Zoom sessions, video, yeah. uh, all on the, with the pep wave. So all the anchorages in the med, at least, like mm-hmm. we had no issues. And even it was useful sometimes sailing down the coast, uh, even if we were kind of far away from the coast, uh, because the antenna is so high that we were able mm-hmm. at times to detect, uh, to have cellular coverage mm-hmm. and then download updated weather data and stuff like this. So we so definitely... So just let, define what a pep wave is. I mean, we know what it is, but maybe... Yeah, it's it's basically, it can be used for uh, cellular connection and Wi-Fi. So... In it's like this, an extender. It like, yes. Yeah. And so if you if you put a little SIM card, so we will get into a new country first step was buy a local SIM card, put into the PepWave, configure it. And once it was configured, it basically established a Wi-Fi network for all your devices. So computer, smartphone, everything is on the Wi-Fi network on the boat. So that's super convenient. Um, The other thing that we didn't have this option, but you can add the Wi-Fi antenna. 
uh, it seems like in the past it was very useful because, you know, you have like all the Wi-Fi networks were open. Nowadays, they're all kind of password protected. Yeah, and I have mixed feelings about it because like there are some times when your SIM card like is limited on certain amounts of data. Like some countries it's like super cheap and and. Other countries, you have to really watch what you're streaming. So it's nice to have, like, for instance, the marina. If you're in the marina, have the marina Wi-Fi, which kind of everybody uses a lot. Um, so it's hard to... Sometimes it's slower yeah. than normal. So. Or go to a restaurant bar, get their Wi-Fi yeah. password. Sometimes that works, yeah. And then come back to your boat, mm-hmm. and then you connect. You know, mm-hmm. So it's not essential. We haven't decided if we're going to take it or not. Um, so, but for sure, we'll get the pep wave for cellular connection until <laughs> there's something better. Is officially out and yeah. supported on boats. And then, um, also included in that is the Iridium Go, which yeah. we had on our previous boat as well. Mm-hmm. And, um, Basically, I mean, it's what it is. It's a, it's a satellite connection, but it's for very low bandwidth internet. Mm-hmm. So you can send text. You can send email, just data, mm-hmm. no attachments, you know. And and more importantly, you can download grape files for weather information. Mm-hmm. So you can do this like you have your cellular coverage, you have your pep wave, kind of you're further away from the coast. Mm-hmm. And then when you're outside that, then it's kind of what you use. So so you need the same thing. You need a SIM card, you need a membership like or a subscription to be able to get that. Um, so if you're doing coastal cruising... Yeah, you can have the Iridium Go, but you don't have to activate it. Uh, but as soon as you're going to do some passages over a few days, then... You should probably have it, yeah. 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 So we, we're going to get that. We're used to it. and um, so. But we're not going to get anything satellite in that for high speed. Uh, well, you know, first of all, it's totally expensive. And secondly, anything you would get, it's like more weight, right? It's like one more thing you put on. One more thing. And, and what seems to be dangerous is uh, suddenly if you have like in the background, you have like an operating system upgrade, then it's like a couple gigabytes. You don't pay attention. Oh, yeah. I didn't. And then that. suddenly it's like thousands of dollars of yeah. data that month or something. Yeah. So It's not def- meant for us. No, no. We're, we're <laughs> Who are data conscious and wait for Starlink, and will probably happen in the next couple years or less, you know. Mm -hmm. But until then, we need the we need the solution. So the PipeWave will do. All right, so let's talk about safety. Some other PipeWave and Iridium Go. Yeah, safety. um, So basically, as part of safety pack, uh, we obviously need an Aniperb with integrated GPS for the boat. We had one, but obviously we sold it with the boat. Um, we already have on our uh, life jackets uh, personal beacon AIS um, men overboard. So those work if you fall overboard. It's just an AIS kind of uh, using VHF um, uh, kind of uh, as coverage. your lifeguard kind of explodes or life infl- jacket. Sorry, what did I say? Lifeguard. lifeguard. <laughs> <laughs> as your life jacket um, inflates, it kind of pops out and it sends a beacon to the boat. Mm. Um, for where they can find you or other boats that yeah, are nearby. Yeah, in the vicinity. Right. So, so that's, we already have that, so that's good. The personal locator beacon is just a small EPIRB, basically. Um, so in this case, it's not connected to your boat. It will just send a, a satellite message that there is an emergency 
the helicopters will come and make you leave your boat basically is kind of what would happen well if there's a person that you know I yeah. mean, in this case if you're like in the water um then they will send other boats to see what's going on there is no information it's but just it doesn't emergency. communicate to your boat no in this yeah. case it's just uh, to to the outside world mm-hmm. and not to even local well to local boats uh no, because it goes to the central yeah, location yeah. of where your boat's flagged. Yeah. So, yeah. so we won't take that. Um, we'll just stay attached at night during the day. Um, we don't feel it's necessary unless obviously the conditions require it. Well, I think the point, it's not like, oh, we don't need it because we're going to try to be safer. I think the point is, is like, it doesn't send the message to the local boats around you that can help you the most. And so it basically acts like a boat EPIRB in a sense. Mm-hmm. Like that's what the big EPIRB does. Yeah. So, you know, if you have the big EPIRB and then you have your AIS, you know, unless both of us fall off the boat at the same time, like that would be the situation where that would be useful, assuming you have it on your body. So mm-hmm. anyway, we're not going to get that uh, for that reason. And the Noriridium phone, um, that's... The satellite phone. Yeah. A separate satellite phone. Right? That would be like totally, totally separate. And you, uh, I used it once in the past for a race where we rented one that was just for emergency purposes. And you can rent them. Yeah. Yeah. In this for case, passages. it ended up being useful because our SSB ended up not working. So we were able to use also the satellite phone like the Iridium Go to download mm-hmm. web information, send text and stuff. But... We we don't plan to get that, and if there was any time a reason for whatever reason, then we can always rent it. And then you well, you would it. rent it for a passage, and the use case for that would be you have to get in the um, life raft, right? That's when you would need it. Yeah, I mean, you have your your EPR, and but if you wanted to be able to con- to, to communicate communicate with land, yeah, uh, yeah. so. Because you can't take the Iridium Go with you. That's the no. concept. Uh, well, you could, you could. But then it has to work with your phone. And the problem now, you, you know. Yeah, do you have coverage? Yeah. Well, and then you are like in the water or, yeah. you know. So and your cell phone's like. Yeah, and the battery, battery is going to die. And, you know, it's not designed to be in, in this type of environment. Mm-hmm. So there is a use for the Iridium phone. Um, you have to also draw the line somewhere. Yeah. We... So that's kind of the safety pack portion of it. Yeah. And then um, a secondary independent autopilot. Mm -hmm. So um, the way we're looking at it is uh, it's important when you're going to be traveling just basically two people. I mean, I've done a passage with two people with no autopilot. So I've done a passage without an autopilot, but it's not fun. Well, in this case... In my case, it was two people. So you were three hours on, three hours off for 14 yeah, yeah, days. Yeah. In your case, In my there case, was a little bit more. There were more crew. Yeah, if you have like six or eight people, totally manageable. Yeah. If you're going to be just the two of you, so it's either like three hours on, three hours off for, you know, maybe days. Yeah, I mean, the worst case scenario would be the middle of the Pacific somewhere. And yeah. And yeah. you, you lose your autopilot for whatever yeah. reason. Yeah. So you have two options. You know, one is like, I want the same autopilot. And basically, you you keep on sailing and you just, you know, go to shore this way. The other option is you assume autopilots are fairly... Um, uh, resilient. Resilient. You know, after all, they sail around the world on mm-hmm. the Atlantic Club and they are like uh, on all the time. 
uh, and then you just think, okay, I just need something that's going to get me back to land mm -hmm. and I don't need anything fancy. I want something totally independent. Um, and um, in this case, the, what, what we're looking at is the Raymarine autopilot and um, it will not have um, uh, kind of the, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, it will just have the heading option. Right. So you'll say, okay, sail 170. Right. The autopilot sails 170. If the wind shifts 20 degrees, then you have to trim your sails. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, at least, you know, that's some assistance that will help you uh, get back to shore. Mm -hmm. then, Oscar. So ah. this actually, we shouldn't go into this in too much detail because I think we need to do a whole separate podcast. Yeah. Is that okay? Because yeah, yeah. I we, think could, so. we could really geek out on this and Oscar we've business. briefly talked about it in previous podcasts. Just uh, you can Google it, Oscar, but basically it has a thermal uh, two thermal cameras like camera. and one daylight camera and it has some ai detection and alerts it's, it's like just another a, set of eyes it's like having a crew yeah. at the top of your mast mm -hmm. all the time so we're convinced that in the future all the boats will have this mm -hmm. um so at this point we're looking at um uh, it's just like a backup just if you have two people it's like one more set of eyes that are looking at the horizon of where you're going mm -hmm. which i mean absolutely cannot hurt um, you no, know, you yeah. don't want to depend on it, but it, yes, yeah. at night in some areas where there's a lot of fishing traffic and, you know, and, you know, so we'll, we'll do a, we're having a meeting, uh, with the Oscar, uh, company. We have additional questions to be, uh, we're kind of between the Oscar offshore one and Oscar offshore 320. So we just need yeah. to fully understand some additional details before we make our mm -hmm. final decision. So that's kind of it on electronics and kind of everything we're looking at. And um, we're excited, too, because Poshan offers the training uh, at handover. Yeah, that's nice. So yeah, it's really nice. That's a lot of systems. That's a lot of, like, configuration yeah. parameters and how to use all And these. we kind of had to figure it all out by ourselves yeah. when we were on our other boat. It was like, oh, what's... And even, like, at the end of last season, I remember going, oh, that's what this is for. You know, I don't remember what feature it was. But yeah. you you really do have to sit down. And, you know, it's not like a computer where you're just kind of, like, using it. And, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of more a little bit, like you know, you're using Excel and you're suddenly finding a formula that's a game changer. Like you don't have to do this other thing. Um, but you kind of have to know the shortcuts, you know. And the tricky part is you can be looking at the dock, but uh, it's also uses data when you sail. So you need to also be using on the water. But when right. you're on the water, you also have to pay attention you're to You're trying to like so do other things. So you cannot geek yeah. out too much. So, so in this case, yeah, they, as part of the whole mm, process of buying an Outremer, you have a training at the dock uh, with Pochon, so going through mm -hmm. all your electronics. And then you have also some training uh, configuration, everything um, on the water. Mm -hmm. so, so that kind of closes that loop. And of course, nothing, um, uh, you also have to basically, I mean, use it. And, well, what'll and, uh, be good too is part of the, the shakedown. It's a requirement by Utremer to come back after you do the shakedown on the boat. And they fix whatever it was, you know, that it wasn't working, but you can also, you know, that's another good time. You can have conversations with push on about the electron, like, Hey, like, is there something for this or that? Yeah. yeah. So that kind of sums up all the electronics that we ended up being like a little bit geeky and technical in this podcast, but, um, 
you know, it's helpful, I, I think, for us to at least be able to go through the information for our own benefit, but also if you're going through the same thing or having some of the same decisions, you know, hopefully this is a useful content. Yep. Cool. And then we'll probably, as we make off, just a little bit like the sale plan, you know, we're going through our process. Once we've made all the final decisions, we'll mm-hmm. communicate what we've decided and why. And then we'll try to do some podcasts or maybe like more video type things that are more into details about mm-hmm. some of those uh, instruments like mm-hmm. Oscar, mm-hmm. like whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're really looking forward to September when um, there's going to be a reveal of the Ultramere boat. And July, August, September. I know it's not. It's, it's pretty coming, coming up. Yeah. So we're excited about that. All we can say right now is it's a new model. Um, but we are dying to talk to you guys about it. So um, as we kind of keep up with these podcasts covering the things we're looking at immediately, we're super excited to be more open about some other things. So if you have additional questions or comments, please send us those to us at sailingowen at gmail.com. And fair winds for now. Bon bon. Thank you for listening. If you like this podcast, please subscribe, like, or share with another covert castaway. Fair winds for now. Fair winds for now.